Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now let's join the service already in progress. fun. We're going to get into the word, and uh, I want you to, to turn with me to Exodus chapter 32, verse 19. Exodus 32, 19. Uh, let me kind of paint the picture here. The people of Israel are at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and Moses is up on the top of Mount Sinai, and he is given the Ten Commandments. Kind of a, an iconic scene here. And he's coming down the mountain, and the people have built this gold calf, and they're worshiping it. And let's pick up with the story here in verse 19. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. His anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. The title of this message today is going to be Pick Up the Pieces. Pick Up the Pieces. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. It truly brings us to our knees, God. We, we can't earn our place here. When we feel proud, we think of your love and how you loved us when we were at our worst, and it brings us to our knees. And our life is all about bringing others into that same love. So we ask today that you'd speak to us. Let your, let your spirit move and let every person here leave with an awareness of the fact that you have spoken to them. Change us today. We're not here to just do church. We're here to encounter you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the middle of our Summer Park Pass series. We've been kind of taking a different theme each week from the most magical place on earth. And this week, the theme is Narnia. How many Narnia fans do we have here? Like, diehard Narnia fans. All right. And any other people were like, what did we just watch? Like, you had no idea, you know. It's okay. It's not a requirement to be in church. If you are looking for some fun movies to watch this summer, may we suggest The Chronicles of Narnia. Great movies. Uh, But C.S. Lewis created this story, and it's a powerful allegory, which an allegory basically means it's a story about another story. And that's what the Chronicles of Narnia is. It's a story about this, this, uh, this land called Narnia, ruled by this king, Aslan, this lion, and uh, tormented by this witch who's trying to usurp his power. And it's all these really spiritual themes, but it's really a story about our story, about the gospel, about who God is, and about what Jesus did for us. I mean, I'm certain that in the clip you just saw, uh, judged by the spontaneous applause when the lion came back, all of us understand we're not just clapping for a lion, right? Like, I think you can see it's a picture of our story. It's a picture of our life. And in this moment, when Aslan resurrects from, the, from, the, from his death, uh, it's, it's a dynamic moment. But he talks about, to me, I want to lean into this moment where he says, if the witch would have only known the meaning of true sacrifice, that when someone lays their life down and is pure and innocent, the stone table would crack and death would turn back on itself. Really dynamic stuff there. And it it speaks to what Jesus did for us on the cross, how he gave his life for us. And there's a couple moments in scripture where the stone cracked, if you will. And anytime that we're looking in these stories, we're seeing the covenant and a new covenant. We're seeing one covenant be phased out and a new covenant be given. And it's always symbolized by this kind of earthquaking, earth shattering, stone cracking moment. And so this is kind of the first time it happens here in the Old Testament. Moses goes up to the mountain, and he meets with God. And I want to really paint this picture for you. He goes up, and this is really one of the first times anyone's interacted with anyone like this, uh, with God like this. He, he goes to the mountain, and God carves out these stone tablets, like the 
the hand of God is like carving. How cool must this be? Moses gets a front row seat to this supernatural moment, and God etches on these rocks his, his, his model for life. Even unbelieving historians and, and ethics uh, leaders will say that the Ten Commandments are some of the most profound and far-reaching moral code for a society. Even if you don't believe in who God says he is, everyone can say that the Ten Commandments at least lay out a moral guide for a society to flourish and a society to thrive. Anytime that God gives a command, it's not to control us, it's not to dominate us, it's so that we can flourish. It's so that our lives can flourish. And so God is saying to his people, don't kill each other. Don't lie to each other. I want you to flourish. That's what these commands are. And so he entrusts Moses with these commands, places these tablets in his hand, and then Moses, taking them, comes down the mountain. And he's coming down the mountain, and he sees the people of Israel worshiping this golden calf. And in, before like, they even got the commandments, Israel had broken all of the commandments. Right? Like, true to our nature, like, they were already doing wrong before things even got started. And Moses is not innocent either. He gets so upset. Anyone here have a temper? Right? Yeah? Okay. Like you had a temper coming in trying to find a parking spot. God bless you. But Moses gets so upset and he throws down these tablets that God entrusted him with. God created these tablets. God etched them out himself. God designed them, fashioned them, entrusted them to Moses. And Moses, in a moment of anger, throws them down and shatters them. And so in one scene, we have a broken people, a broken leader, and broken tablets. Everything's broken. So let me ask a a leading question here. What's broken in your life? What did you break in your life? Have you ever broken something in your life? Are you broken? Because brokenness is the beginning of this story. And before we even dive in, I want to encourage you today. So often brokenness feels like the end of our story. But brokenness is not where things end. In fact, brokenness is where the work of God can begin. Today, if you feel broken, you're in the right place. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. You're in good company. Church should not be a place where everything looks put together. Church should be a place where we are all honest with our journey and can say, I was broken, I was blind, but now I see I was messed up and God did something in me. So that the world can see that there's a place where they can experience the rebuilding of God. But we have to be real with ourselves. What's broken? What did you break? Have you broken your marriage? Have you broken that that covenant, that relationship between you and your spouse? Have you broken your family by some negative decisions? Maybe you've broken your finances with some unwise choices that you are now feeling the weight of those choices come back upon you. Maybe you're dealing with some health issues that are the result of a lot of negative choices. What have you broken? Maybe a a strained uh, relationship with a child of yours. The list goes on and on. We we have a a propensity to break things, don't we? But what did you break? What have you broken? What's been broken in your life? And now the bigger question, what do you do now that it's broken? This message today is for people who have gone through breaking in their life and something's broken and now what do we do? Because like I said, the story's not over. It doesn't end here. You won't stay here. You're not doomed to this brokenness. This is not how it ends. But we have to talk about where we go from here. And we can't go from here until we admit we're here, right? This is a message for people who have failed, which I am the first to admit I've failed. This is a message for people who will say, I've messed some things up. I didn't do it right. But we can't journey into rebuilding until we admit our brokenness. And Moses had to realize that by breaking those tablets, he misstepped. 
He didn't do it right. He wasn't, the, 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 he wasn't living at the level he was destined to be. And so what's the first thing you do if something's broken? Moses had to go right back up to the presence of God. When you're broken and when you break something, you need to run to the presence of God. Go to his presence. Run to God. Somehow, some way, we have painted the picture that broken people cannot come to God. And yet that's the first place they need to go. Often we allow our brokenness to push us away from God. When he's the one who created us and etched us out to begin with, if you're broken, go back to the one who made you. Go back to the one who's got the blueprints. Go back to the one who has the design. Go back to the one who knows who you were before the breaking happened. Your brokenness is not your identity. Your brokenness is not who you are. The pain you feel right now is not the definition of who you are. God knows who you are. And in fact, I believe we don't know who we are till we know who God is. Because once we know who he is, he shows us who we are. Maybe you grew up in brokenness and you're just coming to step into this idea of faith. You're figuring things out. I assure you, you've probably made some decisions about who you are. You have no idea who you are. Get to know who God is and he'll show you who you are. He'll begin to make it clear because he knows He designed you. He crafted you by hand. So Moses goes up back to the mountain. But this time, everyone say this time. This time it's a little different. (laughs) This time when he goes up, it's a little bit different. The Bible says that he spent 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain this time. It's a lot longer, my friends. (laughs) And it says he didn't eat or drink. Friends, okay, I can't go four hours without carbohydrates. (laughs) Like, I, I get something, I, I, when I get hungry, I get angry. That's called hangry. You know what I mean? Anyone else here have hanger issues? For sure. Like my wife knows we can't have like marital conversations if I'm hungry because I'm just going to say no about everything. Babe, what do you think if we go to, no. Babe, could we take, no. Everything's no. If I'm hangry, it's a bad attitude. Moses is up there for 40 days and 40 nights, not eating, not drinking. And this last time it was quick, but this time it's taking a little bit longer, right? Like last time it was easy. Last time God just like waved his hand and everything worked. This time, it's a little bit harder. And what I want to say to you is if you have broken something, if you've messed up, if you failed, you cannot avoid the process of rebuilding. You might have to wait for it. You might have to wait. You might have to, you might have to be on the bench, my friend. You might go through a, a timeout of sorts while you're waiting to rebuild. So often we think that coming to God means we get a, we get a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, I broke my marriage, I went and I prayed one time, everything's better, you're better, right, babe? Everything's good? And it doesn't work that way. There will have to be a process of rebuilding. You can't commit fraud after fraud and fraud in your finances and then expect you to pray one time and suddenly everything's better. Yes, God could snap his fingers and have reset everything for Moses, but there is a lesson to be learned during that time on the mountaintop. There's a lesson to be learned in those 40 days and 40 nights. There's a lesson to be learned when you're on the bench. There's a lesson to be learned when you're in timeout. Any good parent knows that. That when you're in that process of waiting, something changes in here. Because if you were to be given those tablets right right over again, you would have gone out and done the exact same thing, Moses. You would have gone back down to Israel and been mad all over again and threw him down again. But I'm going to make you wait for it. Because when you wait for it, something changes in here. You start to realize, man, I, I, I misstepped. Because I used to just blame they made me do it and this made me do it and the devil made me do it. We give so much power to the devil. <laughs> like we make him to be way strong. The devil made me do it. Please, you made your decision. You made your decision. You made your choice. And so now when it's broken... You have to make a decision to allow the inside to change before you're going to see the outside change. And so God has Moses wait. 
and wait and wait. And while he's up on that mountain, it takes a little longer. After breaking comes waiting. You cannot rush the process of healing. If you've ever broken a bone, ever been injured, you can't just like muscle your way through it. Because if you want it to heal, if you want it to be rebuilt the right way, it's going to take time. And I think here's the big lesson to be learned. So many of us get discouraged after breaking because we want it fixed quick. We want to dodge the pain. We want to dodge the recovery. We want to dodge the lesson to be learned. But so many people never move past their breaking because they're not willing to put in the work and the time necessary to rebuild. I proclaim and I declare today that you will not be done here. You will not end here in whatever season you're in, but you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to put in some time. You might have to sweat. You might have to roll up your sleeves a little bit, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. But if you broke it, you're going to have to go through some time here. You can't rush through the process. And it's going to require some effort. Look at what it required of Moses. Exodus 34 verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Moses, <laughs> I love this. You can really hear God's personality here. He says, Moses, you chisel out two stone tablets just like the first ones. Does anyone hear that? You do it. You chisel out two stone tablets just like the first ones. And then I will write on them the words that were on the first ones which you broke. Be ready in the morning. Then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. Verse 3, no one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. Because when you come to the presence of God after you broke something, you cannot bring someone else with you and say, they made me do it. Well, my wife, if she would have just, well, if this person would have just, well, if this, no. God says, you come and you come by yourself. No excuses, no ifs, ands, or buts. You come to me alone because we're going to make this right. When you stand before God, Pastor Janice has always said this, when you stand before God, you're not bringing someone else with you. You have a responsibility for the life you've been given. God didn't give Israel those tablets. He gave Moses those tablets. God wasn't wondering or curious about why Moses dropped them. All he knows is I gave them to you and you dropped them. So you come back to me by yourself. Don't bring anyone with you. You come back to me and you chisel those stones out. You chisel them. And I love that what he said. He said, just like the first ones. In verse 4, so Moses chiseled out two stone tablets just like the first ones and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as God had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. The first time, Moses didn't have to do anything. He went up, God gave him the tablets, and he just carried them down. This time, Moses has to climb up with these two tablets in his hand. You know how hard it is to climb a mountain with two stone tablets in your hand? But God said, if you're going to rebuild this, you're going to have to climb up this mountain and use the effort and energy to climb up out of the old way of thinking, of the way you used to do things. And I bet with every step that Moses climbed, he said, this time is going to be different. This time, I don't care what happens, I'm not dropping these things. With every bit of sweat, every bit of effort, every time God calls us up out of an old way of life, he's using it as a lesson to remind us, don't ever go back there again. Because it's going to take so much to get up and out, you're not going to be interested in going back. Can anyone testify when you look back at your life before Christ that you had to climb up out of it? And it doesn't matter how beautiful it looks back there, how tempting it is. Ain't nothing there for you. You're not going back there. You can't go back there. It's not worth going back there because it took too much to climb up out of it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You look back at that old life and you're like, no, I'm not going back there. I climbed too hard. I sweat too much. God was teaching Moses a lesson, teaching him what those tablets cost how much they really weigh. And he says, you carved them out just like the first ones. I love that. You know, Moses wasn't permitted to just like bring a little rock and say, God, could we change the font size on this? Like, could, 
Can we, can we get like a travel edition? <laughs> no, it's not an option. It's going to be just like the first ones. You're going to rebuild and you're going to have the same plan that I had in mind. You're going to catch that plan. For Moses to carve them out the way that they were the first time before they ever were carved out out here, he had to have the vision in his mind. He had to know what God's plan was. He had to have it in his heart before it was ever seen again. And so now it's coming out of Moses. Rather than it just be given to Moses, this lesson is causing it to come out of him. And God doesn't just want an external obedience from you. He wants your heart to be fastened to his purposes. He wants you to be able to know his plan, to know his will, to know his design, to know his purpose, and for you to be able to walk a different way. And so this second effort, I love this. We're going we're gonna to get into some, some good old Bible theology here. This is this time, say this time. This time, this second time is a dynamic interaction between God and man. See, the first time, it was all God. He just carved that stone, wrote those letters. But when it broke, God said, all right, this time, the second time, you're going to have to bring something. You're going to have to provide something. This time, heaven is going to have to meet earth. That first time, it was just these rocks carved by God. But this time, Moses, you carved these rocks yourself. Because that first covenant was broken, designed by God, broken, and now man is going to have to provide something. It reminds me very much of how the first man, Adam, was created by God. It said he formed out of the dust and the dirt and breathed life into him. But when he sinned, it was like that first tablet broken. And God said, I'm going to create a second man, Adam, a second covenant. But this time, I need a tablet to be provided to me. Hail Mary, full of grace. You're favored among women. You're going to be the tablet upon which I write the new covenant. But guess what? This time, you're going to have to carry the tablet. You're going to have to carry the promise. You're going to have to go through the work for me to bring out the fullness of the promise. The first time, God did it all. But this time, he needed a vessel to say, use me and make me the vessel to bring about your purpose in my life. Ooh, think about little Mary. This little, this little girl, she's a virgin, and God says, I'm looking for a vessel, a tablet upon which to write my word. And she says, okay, use me, choose me. And then for the next nine months, she's got to carry it. She's sweating. She's puking. Like, think about this. And on the week of her birth, on the week of her labor, she's got to ride a donkey and take a trip in the desert. Y'all, that is serious. But in all of that carrying, in that process, in that time of letting God build up what's in her, she gained a love and appreciation for that promise. So much so that when that baby was born and she had to nurse him and care for him and, and raise him up and feed him and change his diaper. Think of everything that it took for Mary to be the vessel, to be the mother of Jesus. And yet all of that time, all of that, all of that building in her, it created a love for Jesus and a love for the promise and a love for the purpose that allowed her to stay true to that destiny when everyone else turned away. When Jesus was up on the cross and even his disciples left him, Mary is there saying, no, I sweat for this and I, I puke for this and I bled for this and I worked too hard to leave it now. I'm going to see the promise fulfilled and I will not leave this time. I will not turn my back this time because this time I got skin in the game. This time I sweat for this and I worked for it and God is looking for people who are willing to get skin in the game and say I might have messed up once before but this time I'm willing to put in the work necessary and this time I'm going to get it right. This time I'm not going to make the same mistakes because this time I worked for it. Now, I want to make a very clear point here. I'm not saying you work to earn grace. Mary didn't somehow earn that, that incredible privilege. God graced it. God, God's not asking you to work for grace or work for salvation. However, he's asking you to participate in it. 
You don't just watch grace. You have to jump in and say yes and participate in what's happening and be a vessel and allow him to work it out in your life. You are a participant in what God is doing in you. And in your situation, whatever is happening in your life, whatever is going on in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, you get to be involved in the process of rebuilding. And when you're rebuilding, you can't fix in private what you broke in public. Woo. You cannot fix in private what you broke in public. If you ruined a relationship and you just trash in somebody, you just hop on your Facebook and talk about some people. Everyone knows who you're talking about. Some people and just all this stuff and you talk to this person about them and you talk to that person about them and you spread r- rumors and gossip and lies and you're just, you're just spewing hate about a person. And then one day God convicts you about it and you realize, man, that's not right. Hey, could we go get some coffee one day? I just want to talk to you. You're going to do all of that in public and then try to make it right in private? (laughs) That's not how that works. If you really want to make it right, what you need to do is get back on your Facebook and say, I let my temper get the best of me. I talked bad about a person. And to everyone that saw it, I am making myself accountable because I'm not going to be that way anymore. I need to go back to every person that you made it wrong and go make it right. If we're going to rebuild, let's rebuild the right way. You cannot just muscle muscle your way through healing. If you want what's broken to be fixed, you're going to have to put forth the effort. You used to be in charge, right? You used to call the shots in your marriage. But then you broke it. And now you're you're angry that you don't get to call the shots anymore? Sorry. (laughs) If you broke it and you want it to be rebuilt, you're going to have to bite your tongue. And you're going to have to be uh, willing to go through the process of rebuilding. Now, it's not to say that it's never going to be restored. Yes, that's why we're talking about this, because it will be restored. But if you push against the natural process of healing, you're never going to see it restored. You can't fix, you can't, you can't pay a little for what you devalued a lot. There is a process to things. And there is human responsibility in, in this process. You know, if we think that, that <laughs> so often we think that, you know, one quick prayer can, you know, override everything that we did wrong. Like church attendance does not override bad behavior. You can't just like live like hell all week and then we get to church on Sunday. Woo, we're good. I made it. No, I'm glad you're here and thank you for praying. All of those things are good. But all of these things are so that what's in here can be addressed and empowered and equipped so then you can go back out there and make right what was made wrong. We are here so we can shine out there. This doesn't replace that. This enables that. In here allows us to go out there. You pray so that then you can stand up and go fight. That's the purpose. And so, you know, like prayer doesn't replace laziness. Thank you for praying, but a praying lazy person is still lazy. You need to get up and go do what needs to be done. But here's the promise in it. When Moses brings those tablets, when Moses brought what was appropriate before God, when he went through the work and the effort, when you make it right, then God will write. When you present to him the, the, the heart of obedience is saying, I'm willing to go through the work. When you make it right, God will write. 
Moses said, here's the tablets. And God said, I see that you carried those things all the way up that mountain. You made them just like the first ones. You're showing that you really want to be the leader that I've destined you to be. And so now that's all I need from you. I'll take it from here. I'm going to write my word on the tablets all over again. I'm going to make it just like the first one. In fact, in my opinion, it's better than the first one. Because the first one was all just this supernatural moment. But this, think about the implications. The hand of God. Heaven itself is meeting up with something that a man provided. Moses carved these rocks out. Moses is the one who brought them and yet God says, I'm going to honor what you've brought to me. I'm going to take your natural and add my super and there will be something supernatural as a result of your obedience and willingness to surrender yourself to me. When your marriage is broken, you go through the effort. You get the counseling. You have the tough conversations. You cry the tears. You do what you know to do and when you do everything you know to do, then God can say, you've made it right now. I will write on your marriage. I will write on your heart. I'll right on your situation. When you bring me something to work with, then I'll work with it. If you will, I will. But what if Moses hadn't brought those tablets? I think God would just keep waiting. So many people get stuck at the moment of their breaking because they're not willing to put forth the effort. But I'm here to encourage you today. If you will, God will. He's going to move in your situation. He will do it. And you might be suffering right now. You might feel like you're on the bench or in the dark or that it's just broken beyond repair. But I have good news for you. If you're suffering, 1 Peter 5.10 says, after you, it's, after you have suffered a little while, someone say a little while. Preach that to the person next to you. Say a little while. No, 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 you said it. I said preach it to the person next to you. Tell them a little while. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. There is a lifespan on your suffering, and it is a little while. The weeping endures for the night. Joy comes in the morning, and when that sun rises, God himself will establish you. He'll confirm you. He'll strengthen you. He'll restore you, and this time, it's going to be different. If you believe it today, someone give God some praise this time it's gonna be different your suffering will not last it's just but a little while you can make it through the little while oh man I feel this I feel something in the room today it's a little while someone in here is so close to giving up hear me well your suffering is just but a little while you can make it through this God did not bring you this far to let the story end here do not give up do not turn back do not lose your faith do not take your own life it, this is but for a little while cling to God he will restore you this is not how it ends this is not how it ends. I'm tired of watching people give in to the trap that is suicide. That's gotta stop. Because our suffering, though it may be great, is but a little while. There's purpose in you. There's destiny in you. And your life is not your own to take. God destined you for more. You can endure. But a little while longer. But a little while longer. Yes, get help. Yes, ask for help. But most of all, look to the one who made you. But a little while. And when it's over, God will confirm you and restore you and establish you. You will live and not die. This won't end you. Take your seats, take your seats. There's just one more thing I want to share with you. Now, this time, it costs you a little more. But when you get it, you guard it right? Moses comes down that mountain. 
Ooh, this time, I don't care what those people are doing. I don't care if they're riding the golden calf. They're not gonna set me off. I'm gonna be the leader God created. This time, I'm guarding these tablets. This time, I'm guarding this marriage. This time, I'm guarding my life. I'm guarding my health. I'm guarding my relationships. This time, I'm gonna be the one God has called me to be. And I don't care what anyone else does. This time, I will be obedient to the purpose of God in my life. This time is gonna be different. And this points us to Jesus, obviously. When, when, when Jesus gave his life for us, he gave us the ultimate second chance. Just like Aslan, they're dying on that table and the stone cracked. When Jesus died, the very earth fissured into, the earth quaked and a new covenant came and he gave us a second chance. We've been talking a lot about your circumstance, your marriage, your finances, whatever it is, but ultimately our second chance is that our spirit was dead in sin and we have been given an opportunity for new life in Jesus. Our heart was like stone, dead in sin, and he gave us a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Your heart has been given a second chance, and this time, you've got to guard it. Church, it's time that we guard the heart that Jesus gave his life for. You can't walk around and treat this life like trash. This time, you've got to walk worthy of the call on your life. I want to tell you a quick story. My son often comes by the office. He's two. And uh, there's this little box on one of the shelves in my office, and uh, it's got these hooks in it for our our mobile campus because we hang a lot of stuff there. An office is not a safe place for a child to be. I admit this. Okay, they're not sharp, though. Don't be crazy. So he comes in, and this little box of metal hooks, there's like 50 in there, and he shakes them, and he's a boy, so it's like suddenly an instrument. He loves them, and he shakes, and he shakes it, but then he always does the same thing. Shakes, shakes, dumps them all out, 50 hooks all over the floor. Starts to cry, because now his, his thing doesn't shake. He's so upset. <laughs> they dumped that all over the floor. So the first time, I like bend down, I get everything, and I put it back in the box, and then he's shaking them, shaking them, dumps them all out again, gets so upset. Okay, Malachi, and I only pick it all up again, puts it all, and he's just not getting it. So finally, the next time he shakes them and he drops them and they go everywhere and he looks at me and he says, fix it. And because I love him, I have to teach him a lesson. I say, actually, Malachi, you pick up the pieces. Because if he's ever going to learn what it takes to keep that the way that it's destined to be, the way that he likes it, the thing that brings him the greatest joy. If he's ever going to learn to value what brings him such joy, he's going to have to be a part of the process. So I say, Malachi, you pick up the pieces. No, 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 Gogu, please fix it. He calls me Gogu. No, please fix it. Malachi, you pick up the pieces. Cries, throws himself on the ground, acts like I don't love him. But it's because I love him that I will refuse to fix it without him as part of the process. And so often we say, God, please fix my heart. God, please fix my life. And he says, first, you pick up the pieces. I love you too much to exclude you from the process. You pick up the pieces. Go back to the situation where you gave up your joy. That person didn't take your joy. You gave up your joy. Go back and pick up that piece. Go back to where you gave up your peace, your joy, your strength. pick it up and get all those pieces. Now certainly my little son cannot put that thing back together the way that it's supposed to be, but I never asked him to fix it. I just asked him to bring me the pieces. Malachi, if you pick up the pieces, I'll put it back together. And when we come to God, he doesn't expect us to have fixed ourselves. He expects us to be responsible for where we went wrong and to bring all the pieces to him. Now to me, that says two things. One, when someone comes through those doors in pieces, 
We don't turn our nose up at them. We don't fault them for being broken. We say, let me help you get all this together because I was way more broken than you. Let me bring you to the one who can help you. And we bring them to Jesus the way that someone brought us to Jesus one day. But secondly, when your life is broken, you take responsibility and you refuse to leave any piece of the heart Jesus purchased in your past. When I reach heaven, friends, it's not going to be pretty. I might have some bruises and some scars. I might be sweaty, but I can tell you for sure, I will be holding every piece of the purpose that God intended me to because I'm not going to let anyone steal it. I'm not going to let anything take it away. I'm going to say, God, I brought all the pieces back home, and somehow I know that you're going to put it together for your purposes. Jesus isn't asking you to put your life together. He's asking you to bring every piece to him, and when you bring it all to him, he puts it back together, and he restores you better than the first time. And this time, you're going to be used for the glory of God. This time, you're going to be used to bring the broken home. This time, you're going to walk it out for a much bigger purpose. If you believe it today, someone thank Jesus for what he's going to do in your situation. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.